Thank you for joining me today. This is the Life After 30 podcast, and I am your host, Joey Hernandez. I have been a personal trainer and diet coach for over 30 years. Please join me as we discuss our health, diet, weight loss, fitness, and many other topics as we move through the decades of our lives. Hey, you decided to listen to the podcast today. Hey, thank you as always for joining me. Now, this podcast episode is on the air the week of February 7th of 2016. And as we're going to be halfway through the second month of the year next week, I know many of you are still plugging away at the diets that you may or may not have had as New Year's resolutions. But either way, I hope that you're finding success with the weight loss dieting that you've been doing. Many of you have been dieting for up to six weeks now, and if you did not have a lot of body fat to drop when you started, perhaps, I hope, perhaps, you're coming to the end of your weight loss period. So keeping in mind that between now and spring will be the time that most people will be stopping their weight loss diets, I wanted to approach the subject of diet maintenance. The changes that will occur in your weight loss period will now have to be adjusted as you're going to be looking to keep your body fat reduced, right? So important. Yet also you're going to be looking forward to the fact that you're now going to be able to start eating more of the foods that you enjoy so much that maybe you've kind of feel like you've been deprived of them for a short time. So they're going to be coming back into your eating habits. Now, we've spoken many times about the difficulties with maintaining that weight loss. The fact is, the truth of the matter is that most diets will work. As long as you follow the parameters of them, and unhealthy though they may be, most people do drop body weight when they use any kind of diet that has caloric restriction. And most diets, the way they're designed, even if it's hidden in some other way, works because of caloric restriction. It may not be in the title, it may not be in the description of it, but you're actually reducing your calories, and that's why you lose weight. Now, we know that losing the weight is not necessarily the most difficult thing, and since you're often excited, right, and very motivated in those first weeks of losing your body fat, and since you lose water, the first couple of weeks, so you see a nice drop those first couple of weeks, at this point, many of you are going to see the weight reduction that you've been looking for, as long as you've been good with the diet. But then, my friends, that is when we come to the most difficult part, the diet maintenance. How do you return to eating the foods that you love and yet not put yourself back in that exact same situation that you have been in time and time again. How many times do we diet for body fat reduction, right? We're happy we get that weight off, yay! And now we return to the same bad habits that we did before we started the weight loss. It's like how many times do you have to put your hand on a hot stove until you learn that it will burn you. For those of you who might have joined one of the large weight loss companies that you see advertised on television, you may know that I worked for one of them 
and I address the problem of the lack of discussion about maintaining your weight loss. If you don't know what I'm referring to, please look back and listen to podcast number 69, titled An Insider's View of Large Weight Loss Companies. And you can hear all about my work experience there. And most importantly, you're going to get some hidden secrets about those companies. But the bottom line is, you're not going to hear a lot of talk about diet maintenance if you're losing weight with one of those companies. And since that is one of the most difficult parts of losing weight and body fat reduction, I want to reboot a past episode of this podcast that specifically addresses maintaining the weight loss that you have worked so very, very hard to accomplish. So I decided to split the podcast up into two episodes. And this is for both length and time, but it also gives me a chance to discuss one other quick topic in each of these two podcasts. So in this episode, I want to tell you about something exciting that I discovered food-wise this week. And then I'll continue with part one of the diet maintenance discussion. Now, part two of that discussion will be in next week's podcast. So please try your best to listen to both episodes. They're contained in two episodes. Try to hear both of them. And I'll just mention that one of the very, very best ways to make sure that you do not miss next week's episode is to take one moment right now, right this second, and subscribe to this podcast. Once you are subscribed, you will be notified when new episodes hit the air. So you will be notified when next week's episode comes out. My name, as usual, is Joey Hernandez, and this is Maintaining Your Weight Loss Part 1, the 93rd episode of The Life After 30 Podcast. Okay, so let me move on to what I'm really excited about that I found out about food this week. And for all I know, every one of you that are listening to this already know this. For all I know, I am the last person on the entire planet Earth to find this out. But for whatever reason, it had slipped under my radar. And this is something that I really think is going to be a big change for the way I'm going to eat. Now, Certainly in the last 20 or 30 years, we have known that we're supposed to be eating more fish. Fish has micronutrients. We don't get in other areas. We get omega-3 fatty acids, which are very good for our heart health and to keep our cholesterol down. Uh, It's a nice lean protein. So I've known that we're supposed to be eating fish, but I've never been a fan of fish. And so it's really been a big quandary for me. How do I balance out the nutrition that I need with the fact that I don't like the taste of it? Now, I was a product growing up in the 1960s. We had a place in Maine during the summer that we would always go up to for the entire summer. And it was right on the water. And so a lot of the time when we would decide to eat seafood, my mother would go and would get us the things that we enjoyed, which were fried clams, fried scallops sometimes a lobster roll covered in mayonnaise. Certainly not the way that you're supposed to eat seafood for health. So I grew up on that, liking it pretty much, although certainly if the fried clams were too 
oceany tasting. I really didn't like them, and so I'd pass on certain ones. I was really a picky eater when it came to seafood. So as I learned more about nutrition and know that we're supposed to be eating fish, believe me, believe me, believe me, I have tried over and over again to try to like seafood. You know, I'd try a certain fish, not like it. Maybe a year would go by as I'm looking to cook again. I'd come across that name again, like, say, uh, a cod, broiled cod or something. And so I'd be like, well, you know what? I haven't eaten that for a year. Sometimes your tastes mature. So why don't I give it another try? And I'd try it and I'd be like, no, this doesn't work. (laughs) So tuna sometimes, but tuna would always have to be with the mayonnaise and all the other stuff. So the nutrition becomes negated by the fact that I'm overloading it with all these other high fat calories. Um, It's really been a problem. But I have never given up the quest to be able to eat the seafood that we're supposed to eat. I do take fish oil capsules every single day on my doctor's recommendation. But I certainly do know that if I was able to additionally add in the fish that we are supposed to be eating, even two, three times a week, it would make a big difference. So periodically, as I've said, I've been a little trooper and have tried all of the different fishes cooked in all of the different ways. But I wasn't getting very close to being able to handle it. Sometimes when I would go out to dinner or a lunch, if it was a restaurant on the ocean and they offered seafood, sometimes maybe a baked haddock, if it was done in butter and breadcrumbs and all of this stuff to try really hard to not make it taste like I'm eating fish, But once again, tons of butter, tartar sauce, the breadcrumbs, all of the things that don't cancel out the nutrition of the fish, but certainly it's not doing yourself any favors by adding all of these additional calories and saturated fat. So the other night, uh, four or five nights ago, one of my housemates came home with food for all of us. And I had a container of um, mixed vegetables and steak and it just looked incredibly good. I love steak. Love, 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 love steak. However, it's not good for me. I have higher cholesterol. I have higher triglycerides because of heredity in my family. I have a heart valve problem. So I'm not supposed to be eating a lot of steak. My doctor and my cardiologist have both told me this, but I love steak. So everybody was eating and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I get this steak and oh, it was cut into these beautiful pieces and it was nice and browned on the edges and beautifully pink on the inside. And I was just eating it. It was so good. I didn't even put any steak sauce on it. I just wanted it the way it was. And so at the conclusion of the dinner, I say to my housemate, hey, thanks so much for getting us this food. This steak was incredible. I really appreciate it. And he said to me, that wasn't steak. And I said, of course it was steak. It was delicious. I know steak. It was delicious. He's like, no, that was yellowfin tuna. And I'm like, what? What? This is fish? 
And he said, yeah, and it's not only fish, it's actually fish that's cooked very little. And so my mind goes to sushi and I hate sushi. Oh my God, raw fish and the seaweed and all, oh my God. Good luck to the people that eat it. I hate it. So the thought of this being yellowfin tuna, I'm like, this is incredible. So of course I run and I Google and I start looking up yellowfin tuna or tuna steaks in general. And I see all these photos and all of these people giving reviews saying, oh, this is awesome. It tastes just like steak. Oh, this is great. It tastes just like beef. I'm like, what? Why has no one ever, ever told me this? So I went running out to the fish market two days later. They didn't have any yellowfin tuna. So I just got a basic tuna steak in general. Came home, looked up a recipe of how to cook it did it the way it was as close to in that meal that I had. It kind of had a, a sesame seed crust on the outside. It was beautifully raw-ish pink on the inside. I actually made it so it did taste like it did in the meal that I got that was delivered to me from my housemate. And I have to say, it tasted just as good. And I couldn't believe it. And when I'm looking at the recipe, it talks about, you know, marinating the, the steaks a little bit ahead of time and then just kind of dipping it into these sesame seeds. And it says to cook one and a half minutes on one side, one and a half minutes on the other, and that's it. And I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, that's really going to be raw fish. But then I go to eat it and it is absolutely incredibly delicious. Now, tuna is not the best fish in the world for you to eat. It can have higher mercury um, content. It's not that high in omega-3 fatty acids. It's kind of middle of the road. But still, but still, here it is, a fish that I can eat without overloading it with a bunch of other calorie crap on top of it to be able to eat it. It tastes like steak, so I'm honestly getting the beef addiction in my palate to be satiated by eating this. And at the same time, I'm getting some of the fish nutrition. It was a godsend. Honestly, I could not believe that this happens. So now I've decided that I'm going to be doing these tuna steaks at least once a week, maybe even twice a week now and then. It is wicked expensive. I bought a pound of tuna steak from a local place that uh, is kind of a higher end uh, supermarket, much like um, Whole Foods would be. And it was $22 for a pound of this steak, uh, tuna steak, but it was so delicious. And it is such a pleasure to be able to eat something that to me replaces the beef that I enjoy so much that I'm going to move forward and eat this at least once a week on a regular basis, in addition to the fish capsules I take, in addition to scallops sometime. I also have tried a few different recipes that I will show on my YouTube channel when I get that up and running and filming stuff. I've been finding ways to cook other fish with spices, yogurt, dill, um, fresh parsley, things that have really made a change in the flavor of fish in general for me. 
but nothing compares to this discovery about tuna steaks. So if you are one like me that absolutely can't deal with seafood, but yet you want the nutrition, you want the lower calories, you want those micronutrients and the omega-3 fatty acids, I suggest that you do try tuna steak. It's going to be a little weird if you don't like seafood to know that you're only cooking it one to one and a half minutes on each side. So when you eat it, it looks very red in the middle, which I guess means it's not cooked all the way through, which can be dangerous in its own way. You have to kind of balance the dangers of things, the goodness versus the dangers. But to me, the nutrition, as long as I'm getting it from a high-end place and unfortunately paying through the nose to get it, as long as I'm getting it from a high-end place, I'm going to trust a little bit more that I'm not going to get the crappy bacteria from eating something that's too raw. Um, perhaps, unfortunately, when something hits me that I get because it is on the rawer side, I guess I'm not going to be very happy. But people eat sushi all the time, and you don't hear about that, that many people getting any kind of food poisoning from it. So I'm going to give it the old college try, and I'm going to do tuna steak. I strongly suggest this is my food of the month. Maybe my food of the year, and we're only in February. My food of the year is tuna steak. I'll tell you more about it as we go along, but I just wanted to tell you about that excitement because in case you can't tell, I am wicked excited about it, and I'm about to head to the fish market once I finish this recording, and I am going to buy it yet again, and tonight I'm having it for dinner. I do suggest, by the way, you want to try to get it as fresh as possible so it doesn't have any kind of fishy taste. So from now on, when I go to the fish market, I'm going to ask when it was caught, um, how long it's been there in the, in the fish market. And when I do bring it home, I am going to always, always cook it the same day. Don't leave it in the refrigerator for a day or two. That's when it starts to get older and is going to get more of a fish taste. So without any further ado... Now let's get into today's topic, Maintaining Your Weight Loss Part 1. This is an excerpt from an earlier episode. And off we go. So why is weight loss so much easier than it is to keep that weight off long term? Because really, you can do just about any kind of quote-unquote weight loss diet. You could do a low-carb. You could do a low-fat. You can do a no-carb. You can do one of the fad diets that you hear about, like, you know, one or two things that you eat only until the weight comes off, which, of course, you know is just the worst way to do it. But you could also be going to one of those commercial large weight loss companies that I talked about in an earlier podcast, and you could be losing weight through their system. But then no matter which kind of diet you used, especially, especially the severe ones where you were so caloric restricted that you were just going out of your minds. But once you have finished all of that dieting and the weight has come off, why is it that the weight always rebounds. And more times than not, you don't just gain back the weight that you lost during this 
weight loss diet period that you were on, but you end up gaining that plus additional poundage. And we've talked in the past about how yo-yo dieting up and down is, is just one of the worst things for your body because it messes with your metabolism so that as we age, our metabolism slows down naturally as we age. But then you couple it in with this yo-yo dieting where your body doesn't know when it's going to get the nutrients that it needs to survive because you're not keeping your body on the kind of schedule that works best for it to process the nutrients and give you the energy from the food that you consume. And more and more studies are now showing that yo-yo dieting up and down even just 20 pounds if you gain it during the winter and then you tend to lose it in the spring summer and back and forth and back and forth it's very hard on your heart and your cardiovascular system to constantly have to adjust to weight changes in fact studies have shown that for extremely overweight people it is almost better i mean it's kind of the 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 best of the evil of two but it's almost better that they stay at the weight that they are at which their body is used to their heart is used to even though it's not a healthy way to live by yo-yoing up and down in extremes like that it is so detrimental to the heart so i'm not saying certainly if you are extremely overweight that you should just live with that and let your body exist of course, we want to strive to reduce our body fat so that we have more energy and vitality. But yo-yo dieting can be very difficult. Yet you end up ultimately doing that, don't you? Because no matter what diet you use to get the body fat off, you can't sustain it. And you gain back. And then, of course, you don't want to exist with that weight. So you try your best again, and you try to diet it down. And that probably works, again, even if you're using the same method or a different method. And then once again, once you're off of that weight loss segment, you rebound again. It's not your fault. You have the best of intentions. You certainly don't plan on having the weight come back. You certainly don't plan on it being a temporary condition that you have that body fat lower on your body. You're trying your best. But ultimately, we stumble back into bad habits that we used to have. And during very emotional times, good and bad, food is often the centerpiece of a celebration. So you just end up sliding back into the routine that you used to be in. And of course, we can't expect a different outcome when we go back and do the same thing. You have heard that famous, famous saying, it's floated around all the time now, that the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over, yet expecting a different outcome. I don't think that's really the definition of, of insanity, but a lot of us do that. We'll, we'll be in the habit of doing something. Maybe it's worked sometimes, but the majority of the time it doesn't. Yet we repeat it and repeat it and repeat it, trying to be better at it and better at it and better at it. Yet somehow we're expecting there's going to be a different result. 
we need to change the concept. We need to change our habits permanently. And that is the difficult part of the weight loss process. So the first thing as we discuss the tools that you can use to maintain that weight loss, the very first thing that you need drilled into your head, you need to write it down a thousand times on your walls. You need to see it on your refrigerator. You need to see it in notebooks. You need to see it everywhere until it sinks in like an anchor. And that is you cannot go back to eating the way that you used to before you lost the weight. Now you again, probably go, well, of course I don't intend to do that, but history has probably shown in your life that the diets that you have been on before, whether they be the same ones or different ones each time, once that weight is off, you promise yourself that you're not going to gain it back again. Every time, right? Every single time when we diet and we get down to the weight that we want to be at, reduce our body fat, we're looking better, we're feeling better, we promise ourselves we are not going to make the same mistakes. And yet we do. So even though it should be a given, an easily accepted, of course, statement, really hear that statement. You cannot go back to eating the way that you used to. Ever. Ever. Whether you're someone that was a large weight that has managed now to reduce their weight down, whether through dieting or possibly gastric bypass or exercise or combinations of all of those, or you're just someone that works on 20 pounds and gets that 20 pounds off. You can't go back to eating the way you used to because, of course, you're going to create the same conditions in your body. If you eat the same foods and you slowly allow yourself to slide back on bigger and bigger portions, of course, you're going to gain the weight back. Yeah? I mean, that's a big duh, right? It's true. And you have to accept that fact. Now, I have said in my diet podcast, in the segments where I talked about how to lose the weight, I have said that you will be able to go back and eat all of the foods that you used to eat before you lost the weight, that you desperately miss, that you desperately want. And it is true. But you can't go back to eating the way that you used to. It's not necessarily the components of the food, although we would certainly love to believe that if we've gone through a weight loss and now we're exercising and we're feeling better, that we are, of course, moving into a more nutritionally balanced way of eating. That's not always the case. But the foods that you love, whether they are nutritionally dense or whether they are just a bunch of fat and sugar, you can still eat those. But you have to have self-control and you have to really understand the portion sizes that we talked about in the diet podcast. 
If you don't know what I'm referring to, it's back a few podcasts and it's called The Best Diet. And that's going to outline portion sizes and weights and measurements of food and how to balance out your nutrition throughout the day. So we can eat the same things at times, but we can't go back to the way that we used to eat. Diet is not a temporary change in your food. It's often attached to that. Usually when you say, I'm on a diet, you are referring to the fact that you are on some sort of caloric, restricted way of eating that your body is going to lose weight. That's what diet is usually used in the context in conversations. However, diet is really a lifelong timeline of all of the food and drink that you consume. So when you talk about, you know, what is a dog's diet? You don't mean what is the thing that's going to allow the dog to lose weight. You're talking about the general way a dog eats and the foods he's fed and the schedule that he's on and all of that. What is a dog's diet? Same thing with us. It's that timeline of the components of the food and the timing of the food, the amounts of the food, all of that is really your lifelong diet. But the beauty is that you can interrupt that timeline at any point and make improvements. It doesn't always have to remain poorly constructed. You have the power to change that timeline. And the weight loss aspect, that first segment of reducing your body fat is part one of changing that timeline. But the most important aspect is the long-term change that you can make that is going to allow that weight to stay off. And so many people, once the weight is off, they cast aside whatever book or notes or video or whatever it was that they were relying on to take them through a weight loss process. They cast that aside because they know better, right? You know what you're doing. I know better. I don't need this anymore. I've learned what I needed to learn. Hmm, funny though, nine months later, you're going to try to start to get that weight off again. So maybe you have to accept the fact that some things you're going to hear are going to go in one ear and out the other. And possibly me saying you can't go back to eating the way you used to is going to go in one ear and out the other. And you have to try to Stop it from passing out that second ear. You have to keep it in your brain and you have to understand that. You cannot ever, no matter how much weight you've lost, incremental or huge, you cannot go back to eating the way that you used to. So let's talk about a few tools that you can use yourself to help you maintain that weight loss once you've got your body fat down. And again, this is going to be for maintaining your weight. This is not based on trying to lose additional weight. Finish that off. Get to where you want to be. Get to the bottom. And then now we're going to talk about how to maintain at that same level. And one of the things I want you to realize is that you do not have to pay money to keep your weight off. 
that's a really important thing because I hate to see people spend their hard-earned money needlessly. If you belong to one of the large weight loss companies, I outlined in my podcast, again, back a few podcasts ago, it's called Inside Large Weight Loss Companies. I outlined in the company that I worked for that in the training that we were given, we were given training on the basics of the food that this company was selling. We were told sales skills and we practiced those. We were taught ways to overcome negativity from a client if they want to leave the program or they're not happy with the program, ways that we can keep them interested and keep them going. But the least amount of talk was about maintenance. It was brought up, yeah, 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 at the beginning. We're going to talk about maintenance because a few students had that question. You know, they were now members of this company and they wanted to make this at least a potentially part-time career, if not a full-time career. And they wanted to know, okay, so once a client gets down to the bottom weight, how do they maintain it? And we were told in this class, we'll get to that. We're going to spend some days on talking about this other stuff, but we'll get to the maintenance. And it, it, I worked for them for a year. It's funny, that time never came. And when it was talked about, it was more talked about all of the reasons why, even when someone is down to their bottom weight, all of the reasons why they would benefit from staying with this company. So the company wanted to continue to get your money month after month and hopefully year after year. You don't have to do that. Okay, I do not work for those companies anymore because I disagree with the principles that were put forth. And I'm telling you right now, you do not have to spend money to keep weight off. If you are watching TV late at night and they're advertising some special pill or formula or book or anything that's going to tell you how you can keep your weight off, do not spend that money. They're just soaking you for money. You don't need anything. You don't need to pay a penny to keep weight off. My podcast is free. I'm going to give you as much information as we go along in hopefully years, hopefully. I will give you as much information and as many tools as possible to help you stay there. And it's going to be free. Don't think that by buying something on TV or by staying with a company that is selling you their product, that that is somehow going to allow you to maintain your weight. It doesn't. For the people that were in the files at the company that I worked for, that had reached their goal weights, we would almost always see them return. We kept files back 10 years. But the ones most recent were in the last two or three years, and those people were signing up again because, surprise, the weight is back on. So they think by paying the company more that the company is going to help them. You don't need that. You need to learn self-control and you need to learn some of the tools 
that I'm presenting here. And that's all you need. And that self-control, that self-parenting is not only going to help you in the case of keeping weight off, but it's something that you can learn that's going to help you in everything in your life. Self-control and self-discipline is going to allow you better time management, better ways of, of spending and saving your money, better ways to making sure that you are spending time with family and that you get time for yourself and all of that. It's all-encompassing when you work with self-control and you have an ability to overcome the weaknesses that drive you back into bad habits. Please join me next week for part two of Maintaining Your Weight Loss. Meanwhile, don't miss that episode. Hit that subscribe button. Be a regular subscriber to the podcast and you will be notified each time a new episode comes out. Thank you for joining me. My disclaimer follows. Please give it a listen and I will see you next week for part two. Thank you. Bye for now. Hey folks, Joey Hernandez, and this is a pre-recorded disclaimer that I'm going to insert into each episode of the podcast. So please give me just a moment of your listening time and listen to this disclaimer. I hope that the information that you receive from the podcast is unique and useful to you in your quest to live a healthier and more vibrant life. I have been a personal trainer for over 30 years. This podcast and the Human Construction Site blog that it is tied to are based on my opinions and my experience working with clients all these years. I am not, 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 not a doctor. I ask that any and all information that you receive from me as well as anywhere else on the internet or on TV or on websites, books, wherever the source, that you discuss that and review it with your personal physician before implementing any kind of lifestyle changes. Your doctor knows you best. He or she knows your personal medical history, knows your medications, your family's history, and together you with your physician should have a dialogue to ensure that any changes are right for you. So please, 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 please consult your doctor. Thank you.